European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 40, Issue 47. Focus Issue, Sex and Gender, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Cardiovascular Issues in Women, Expanding Diversity in Medicine. We're all human, but not all alike. What we see in everyday life is now becoming obvious in medicine as well. Sex has indeed been scotomized in medicine for decades, but is now at centre stage. Differences in the prevalence, presentation and outcomes of several cardiovascular or CV conditions have become obvious. Certain diseases, such as Takotsubo syndrome, or coronary artery dissection occur even primarily in females. Of note, however, it's not just sex. Diversity in medicine goes beyond that. There are also important ethnic differences in the susceptibility to obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, atrial fibrillation, and for coronary and even valvular disease, and heart as well as their management versus outcomes. Finally, age also plays a role. Younger and elderly individuals differ substantially in many CV conditions. This focus issue focuses both on sex, i.e. the biological difference between males and females, and also the cultural aspects between males and females, i.e. gender. In a first review on gender in cardiovascular medicine, chest pain and coronary artery disease, Noel Berry Metz and colleagues from the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center Schmidt Heart Institute in Los Angeles, USA, remind us that women with such conditions are more often underdiagnosed, have a delay in diagnosis, and or receive suboptimal treatment compared to males. An implicit gender bias with regards to lack of recognition of sex-related differences in presentation of ischemic heart disease may in part explain the differences in women compared with men. Indeed, angina doesn't commonly relate to obstructive coronary artery disease in women, i.e. the so-called ischemia without obstructive coronary artery disease, or ENOCA. Emerging knowledge supports an inclusive approach to chest pain symptoms in women as well as a more thoughtful consideration of percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, for angina in chronic coronary syndromes, particularly after the presentation of the ischemia trial. The cardiac autonomic nervous system and visceral pain pathways in patients with or without obstructive coronary artery disease offers explanatory mechanisms for angina. Interdisciplinary investigation approaches that involve cardiologists behavioural specialists and anaesthesia stroke pain specialists to improve angina treatment should be pursued. However, women can indeed have severe presentations of true coronary artery disease. In their article, women have lower chances than men to be resuscitated and survive out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. Hanno Tan and colleagues from the Academic Medical Centre in Amsterdam, Netherlands, aim to provide a comprehensive overall view on sex differences in care utilisation and outcomes of this condition. 5,717 emergency medical service treated OHCAs with 28.8% females were identified. First, women with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest were somewhat less likely than men to receive a resuscitation attempt by a bystander, even when out-of-hospital cardiac arrest was witnessed. Women who were resuscitated had a 43% lower chance than men for overall survival to hospital discharge a 12% lower chance of survival from out-of-hospital cardiac arrest to hospital admission, and a 51% lower chance of survival from hospital admission to discharge. This was likely due to a markedly lower rate of shockable initial rhythm in women, even after adjustment. Thus, in case of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, 
women are less often resuscitated by a bystander than men, and those resuscitated have a lower survival at each successive stage of care, due in part to the lower rate of shockable initial rhythm. These concerning findings and potential solutions are outlined in an interesting editorial by Raja Deo from the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, USA. Women and men also differ in their dietary behaviours, which affects many cardiovascular features, including the gut microbiome. Metabolites of the microbiome have been shown to predict worse outcomes after acute coronary syndromes. Antibiotic exposure is associated with long-lasting alterations in gut microbiota, which may affect subsequent CV disease. In their article, Duration and Life Stage of Antibiotic Use and Risk of Cardiovascular Events in Women, Lu Chi and colleagues from the Harvard School of Public Health in Boston, USA, investigated associations of life stage and duration of antibiotic exposure during adulthood with subsequent CV events in 36,429 women. During 7.6 years of follow-up, 1,056 participants developed CV disease. After adjustment, women with long-term use of antibiotics for two months or longer in late adulthood had significantly increased CV risk with a hazard ratio of 1.32 as compared to those who didn't. Surprisingly, there was no significant relationship between the use in young adulthood and the risk of cardiovascular disease. Thus, longer duration of exposure to antibiotics in the middle and older adulthood relates to an increased CV risk among elderly women. These novel insights have important implications that are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Christian Torp Pedersen from the Olberg University Hospital in Denmark. A major difference between the sexes is the fact that women can become pregnant, which particularly in the past put them at increased risk of dying, often due to hemorrhage and infection. Although this risk has declined impressively, pregnant women with pre-existing cardiovascular conditions remain at risk, as further outlined in the fast track Pregnancy Outcomes in Women with Cardiovascular Disease Evolving Trends Over 10 Years in the ESC Registry of Pregnancy and Cardiac Disease, or ROPAC, by Jolien Roos Hesselink and colleagues from the Erasmus Medical Center, Rotterdam, in the Netherlands. From 2007 to 2018, 5,739 pregnant women with a mean age of 30 and heart disease were prospectively enrolled. Prevalent diagnoses were congenital at 57% and valvular heart disease at 29%. Overall mortality was 0.6% and was highest with 9% in those with pulmonary arterial hypertension. Heart failure occurred in 11%, arrhythmias in 2%. Delivery was by caesarean section in 44%. Obstetric and fetal complications occurred in 17% and 21% respectively. The number of high-risk pregnancies increased from 0.7% in 2007 to 2010 to 10.9% in 2015 to 2018. Determinants for maternal complications were pre-pregnancy heart failure or NYHA2 or greater, systematic ejection fraction below 40% and anticoagulant use. After an increase from 2007 to 2009, complication rates fell from 13.2% in 2010 to 9.3% in 2017. Thus maternal mortality or heart failure were high in women with heart disease with the highest risk of those with pulmonary arterial hypertension. Importantly, from 2010 these rates declined despite the inclusion of more high-risk pregnancies. This contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Vera Regid Zagrosek 
from the Charité University of Medicine in Berlin, Germany. The issue of heart failure is further explored in a review, Sex Differences in Heart Failure, by Caroline Lam and colleagues from the National Heart Centre in Singapore. The authors remind us that although the overall lifetime risk of heart failure is similar in both sexes, there are marked differences in the landscape of this condition. Men are predisposed to heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, or HEFREF, whilst women predominate in heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or HEFPEF. Sex differences are also notable in the penetrance of genetic cardiomyopathies, risk factors such as breast cancer, which may be associated with cancer treatment-induced cardiomyopathy, as well as sex-specific conditions such as peripartum cardiomyopathy. In addition, there are important differences in the prognosis of heart failure. A central hypothesis is that the higher risk of HEFREF in men compared to women may be attributable to their predisposition to macrovascular coronary artery disease and myocardial infarction, whereas coronary microvascular endothelial inflammation and dysfunction may be key in HEFPEF. This may represent a common link of the heart failure syndromes that women are predisposed to, such as Takosubo syndrome, peripartum cardiomyopathy, breast cancer radiotherapy-induced cardiomyopathy, amongst others. Unfortunately, only 20-25% of recruited patients in heart failure trials are female. Thus, treatment guidelines are predominantly based on male-derived data. Finally, large gaps in knowledge exist as to sex-specific mechanisms, optimal drug dosing for women, and sex-specific criteria for device therapy. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.